This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's continue here. Bitcoinmagazine.com article from October 2022 it says the ability and and this is very important so pay attention to this folks the ability to block and censor transactions also implies its opposite the ability to require or incentivize transactions you got that folks the ability to block and censor transactions also implies its opposite the ability to require or incentivize transactions now we know this is the game, right? Because we learned about this through the universal basic income stuff. They're going to incentivize people to do certain things in order to get the universal basic income. They want to change and manipulate human behavior, which goes all the way back to the original definition of technocracy, which is a science of social engineering. They want to engineer people into doing what it is the state, the government, the technate wants people to do. Let's continue. A CBDC, central bank digital currency, could be programmed to only be spendable at certain retailers or service providers at certain times by certain people. I've said this to you before. Very important, folks. Retain this information. Spread it around. Tell people. Use cash, as Wide Awake Jim would say. Use cash while you still can It says the government could maintain lists of, quote, preferred providers, end quote, to encourage spending with certain companies over others and, quote, discourage providers, end quote, to punish spending with others. That means the government can hand you CBDC into your wallet and every time you want to buy I don't know, Christmas ornaments, you can only buy them from Amazon.com. Now, that is the level of programmability. Or you're not allowed to buy Christmas ornaments. Or you can only buy them during a certain time. I mean, go back to uh, the 1970s under President Jimmy Carter, before I was born, folks. I was born January 19th, 1981. That was the day before Ronald Reagan was sworn in as president. The day that the Iranian... Uh, the hostages, our hostages the Iranians were holding, were released. That's when I was born. But under Jimmy Carter, you could only buy gasoline on certain days, and it was based on whether your license plate ended in an odd or even number. Well, now they could just do this with CBDC. You won't be able to spend it 
on certain days of the week or certain days out of the month or certain months out of the year. They could program it however they want in real time because it's not like they distribute the coin to you with a rule. They could change the rule because each token will be connected to the system. So they could be programmed in real time uh, by artificial intelligence via algorithms. Okay. So let's say you're drinking too much soda in their mind. They could actually in real time block you from being able to buy more soda if that's your thing. It goes on to say, in other words, with a central bank digital currency, cash effectively becomes a state-issued token, like a food stamp that can only be spent under predefined conditions. Means testing could be built into every transaction. And I said, if they're going to hand you universal basic income, why not just hand you a box of food? Because all they're effectively doing is giving you food coupons If they are going to deem what exactly you can spend that money on, it's controlled. It's a system of total control. It controls the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Because if they're controlling what the consumer can buy, then they're controlling the means of the distribution of the goods and services. Because if you can't buy certain goods and certain services, they're in control of it. And they control the means of production Because if the manufacturers, the designers, all those types of folks can't get raw materials or certain materials to build and manufacture certain goods, then they control the means of production. If you can't buy the robots and the artificial intelligence stuff needed to run a modern warehouse, a modern manufacturing plant, a modern distribution center, then that means they have control over the means of production. It says, but censoring, discouraging, and incentivizing transactions are not the only powers available to central banks with programmable cash. Banks can also de-incentivize uh, uh, de- saving holding digital cash by capping cash balances, as the Bahamas have already done with their CBDC, or imposing penalty negative interest rates on balances over a certain amount all right this is like the expirable money we talked about and this goes back to the origins of technocracy where you cannot build wealth because if the government distributes two thousand dollars of cbdc a month to you in the form of universal basic income they could have that money expire on the 30th or 31st or the 28th of the month do you understand so they distribute let's say two thousand cbdc tokens to you on january 1st but then on january 31st at midnight or at 11 59 p.m that money could expire meaning you can't save it well in the original technocracy plans you are not allowed to build wealth the money actually expires you can't transfer it you can't sell it you can't gift it to somebody it's yours and yours alone and then it expires on a certain date so there's no wealth building allowed it says this can be used to prevent consumers from converting too much of their m1 or m2 bank balances credit money issued to them by commercial 
central banks into cash mo after all if too many people rush to demand cash hard money at once commercial banks will be deprived of funding and may drastically reduce their lending if they can't find other sources of capital central banks understandably wish to prevent these quote credit crunches end quote which often result in economic recessions or depressions however their policy interventions also deprive people of access to mo currency the hardest and safest form of money under a fiat currency regime, leaving billions of people, especially the poorest, without recourse in the event of monetary crisis. Of course, negative interest rates can be imposed by central banks on all cash holdings, not only balances over a certain amount. While the objective of imposing negative interest rates is, again, to prevent recessions from stimulating near-term consumer spending, this objective is achieved at the cost of accelerating the destruction of private wealth. We can take the world's current economic situation as an example. Central banks intervened during the COVID-19 high school theory production pandemic to prevent recession by monetizing growing levels of sovereign debt which flooded markets with fiat currency this has resulted in more money chasing fewer assets a reliable recipe for inflation the world is therefore seeing the highest sustained global rates of inflation in 20 years with some countries experiencing rates much higher than the global average inflation already incentivizes spending because people understand that their money is worth more today than it will be tomorrow right we've said that on this show you can have a hundred thousand dollars that you took out of the bank right because let's say you're afraid the bank is going to seize your money and force you into central bank digital currency so you go to the bank you take the hundred thousand dollars out of the bank let's say you had it sitting in savings let's just say for an example you go get that money now you don't know where to invest it what to do with it what's safe at this uh, point so you put it in a jar and you bury it into your backyard so let's say that hundred thousand dollars today is going to buy you a fully loaded let's just say for example you're going to buy a fully loaded pickup truck right for a hundred thousand dollars well next year when you dig it back up to go spend it that hundred thousand dollars may only buy you a broken down ford bronco you know that's what we're talking about here uh this is some of the stuff we're going to get into as we get into solutions what are you doing with any cash that you have on hand right now what are safe investments what is going to be safe from being converted into cbdc what is going to return you uh, an interest rate that beats out inflation so let's say inflation is going to increase by five percent so your hundred thousand dollars today um is going to be worth ninety five thousand dollars a year from now how do you make a five percent interest on that so you have 105 and then the 105 105,000 is worth about a hundred thousand how do you keep up with inflation we're going to talk to some of this uh talk about some of this with wide awake jim soon it goes on to say but implementing negative interest rates central banks further erode the value of people's savings creating a perverse incentive for them to spend their already dwindling resources even faster this vicious cycle does not end in economic prosperity but in a collapse of the currency see this is why we're saying everything these guys doing right now is orchestrated it's intentional 
Um, I was talking to someone, I think it was Halsey English, in an interview I did with him many episodes ago about how they were using the IRS and all these administrative agents to attack people. And I had asked him, what's going to happen to people when CBDC goes into effect? People that have, let's say, $100,000, $300,000 in their 401ks. He said, I think they're just going to kill that money with inflation. So if you think about what $300,000 could buy you today, well, that $300,000 10 years from now might only be worth half as much. Who knows? But with this, with this system, the CBDC system, they can actually create an inflation for you, just personalized to you, so that your money decreases in value as you're walking around with it in your digital wallet. It goes on to say, while penalty and generalized negative interest rates are both methods central banks can use to incrementally confiscate money from individuals and private organizations, these are not the only methods available to them. Once CBDCs are implemented, there is nothing technically or legally preventing central banks from imposing direct haircuts on or repossessions of anyone's cash holdings anywhere in the world. Central banks could directly confiscate private digital cash to pay down their sovereign debt, to discourage the use of digital cash, to decrease the money supply, or for any other reason. Although this possibility has not been openly discussed, it is built into the political and technical architectures of central bank digital currency. Finally, central banks can programmatically require tax payments for every CBDC transaction. Some economists have argued that this measure is necessary to recover tax revenue that is sometimes avoided when physical cash is used. Of course. And then rather optimistically note that governments could take advantage of recovered tax revenue to lower effective tax rates. (laughs) Ah, this is classic. However, there is no indication that revenue strap governments already incentivized to harvest private wealth would take any measures to lower taxes. Instead, CBDCs will most likely be used to generate additional tax revenue for the state and onerous costs to individuals. So they're going to turn you into, push you into this central bank digital currency system in which then they are able to inflate and deflate your money they're able to program it to stop you from buying certain things and only being able to shop with certain people certain merchants and then they're also going to take a tax from this fake money they created these minted digital tokens they don't even exist they're just in your wallet if you don't use them in a certain time they're going to expire when you spend them you're going to pay a tax when people accept them they're going to pay a tax when you get them you're going to pay a tax so they're going to tax this fake money that they're giving you so let's start off this game by saying it's monopoly i hand you your fifteen hundred dollars of useless worthless monopoly money and then i start off taking 40 percent of that back in a tax and then every time you purchase a property or buy a house or put a hotel on your set of properties i'm going to tax you on that as well and it's automatic because it's all digitally tracked Let's just finish this article up. It says, imagine with mandatory taxation on every CBDC transaction, you would be taxed for giving your neighbor $20 or giving your children an allowance or for every item you sell at a yard sale. A person paying their friend $50 to change a tire or $100 to look after their home while they're away would be taxed for these activities. This, quote, informal, end quote, economy is not only a necessary mode of 
intimate, interpersonal relating, but a lifeblood for millions of people who rely on it to survive day to day. It is morally unfathomable to imagine a homeless person selling flowers on the street being taxed for every transaction. Welcome to the slave state, a system of complete and total control. Control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services by the technocratic overlords. These folks that are building this system. When we get back, we are finally getting into consensus. Let me show you what these boys have been up to. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just one more time. I'm only going to say this one more time on this show, and we're going to spend the rest of the show here on consensus and wrap this up so we can move on to the panel discussions over the next few days and i need to review those with you now that you have a solid understanding of central bank digital currency ethereum blockchain universal basic income all this techie stuff you understand enough of it that now when we listen to these panel discussions we won't have to stop and explain all the technology in between i could just say hey reference back to episode 101 or 102 etc all right again up on the screen here for the video audience of pain.tv slash gold we have Vitalik or Vitalik Buterin. Okay, V-I-T-A-L-I-K Buterin, B-U-T-E-R-I-N, computer programmer. All right, so this guy, in 2013, he supposedly starts working on Ethereum. All right, and I've explained Ethereum on this show. You can go over to Ethereum's website, just Google it. And read some more about Ethereum or go back and find my episode on Ethereum. It's probably like episode 96 or 97. So this guy Buterin supposedly with a couple of guys starts working on Ethereum in 2013. In 2014, Peter Thiel, the technocratic transhumanist and government contractor, comes along and he funds Buterin to drop out of college and work on Ethereum full time. All right. So Buterin does that. Now, somewhere between a year and two years later, in 2015, Buterin launches Ethereum. His partner at the time, and this is, I'll just pull it up for you, Joseph Lubin, that's Joseph L-U-B-I-N, he is co-founder of Ethereum. He, in 2015, breaks off and he finds uh, founds his company, Consensus, and that's C-O-N-S-E-N, and then S-Y-S, Consensus, all right? So Consensus is building this uh, blockchain technology on top of Ethereum, 
All right, so now what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of the stuff that Consensus is doing. Now, we already know that they were involved with the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub CBC cross-border testing. We know that they were building that e-failer, which was being considered uh, when Congress was looking at passing central bank digital currency in the first stimulus bill. We know that they're partnered with Visa, who has access to 80 million merchants worldwide and they want to help bring CBDC into all of the merchant uh, stores, the retailers, brick and mortars, e-commerce, etc. So Consensus is a big player here. And again, they grew out of the launch of Ethereum, which was being spearheaded by Vitalik Buterin with money from Peter Thiel. All right. It doesn't get any easier than that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we're going to just start going through some stuff I pulled up on Consensus's website, which I recommend you check it out. It's consensus.net, C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S dot net. A wealth of knowledge if you want to see the projects that are going on right now. And again, these guys are heavy hitters. Joseph Lubin has sat on panels with the United Nations, International Monetary Fund, World Economic Forum, Bank for International Settlements, World Bank. He's been all over the place, and he is hiring a lot of people that worked inside the D.C. government as bureaucrats in the financial sector, in technology. So consensus is essentially a branch of the state. That's how I would say it, folks. That's how I would say it. And they've got money right now from Microsoft. That's Bill Gates. They've got money from SoftBank. That's China. These guys have a lot of money coming in. They're valued uh, as of a few months ago at $7 billion. Not bad for a company started uh, seven years ago. So let's just take a look at this first uh, use case I pulled up. Lots of white papers on this site. But this is blockchain in government and the public sector. Governments and public sector organizations leverage blockchain technology to move away from siloed and inefficient centralized systems. Current systems are inherently insecure and costly, while blockchain networks offer more secure, agile, and cost-effective structures. Now, I know there's folks out there especially my friends from the libertarian movement, they will tell us that blockchain is going to free humanity. I don't believe that, folks. I believe all this stuff was developed by the government, if not with government funding, from the beginning. That is my opinion, because all the governments and the central banksters and the rest of them are adopting this. It's all growing and being uh, funded and researched and developed and deployed by the technocrats, who are about anything other than freedom they are not about freedom the technocrats are about a system of total slavery total slavery you can go back to the origins of technocracy movement in the 1920s and 30s you can go back to their cohorts the eugenicists going back to the early 18 uh sorry late 1800s into the 1930s you can look at fdr's new deal and the social security system you could bring it all the way forward into transhumanism and the modern technocrats they are not about freedom it is about slavery it was a movement built on the backs of progressive era marxist socialists communists and eventually the fascist folks all right that's where this stuff grew out of so i'm going through this because i think it's important for you to understand how this is being done people say this can't be done they don't have enough people to do it no they're doing it this company consensus i think right now has 600 employees and the ethereum network overall 
they boast has over 430,000 worldwide developers constantly building stuff on top of Ethereum's platform. So it's huge. It's huge. All right, it goes on. Uh, what are the benefits of blockchain and government and the public sector? Now, I'm not going to go through all of these. I'm going to show you just little pieces of what's available on their website because every single one of these white papers, every single one of these case studies, every blog post is a rabbit hole. And I don't want to turn the next 100 episodes into Dustin uh, diving into consensus here. It says a blockchain-based digital government can protect data, streamline processes, and reduce fraud, waste, and abuse, while simultaneously increasing trust and accountability, all of which are lies. On a blockchain-based government model, individuals, businesses, and governments share resources over a distributed ledger secured using crypto uh, cryptography. This structure eliminates a single point of failure and inherently protects sensitive citizen and government data. A blockchain-based government has the potential to solve legacy pain points and enable the following advantages. And I'll just say this. How about no technology? How about none of my citizen data can be stolen if we don't have any technology? I'm getting to the point, folks, where I'm erring on the side of no technology. I think if you're going to take what they're offering, which is the extreme, that is the force industrial era that is the merger of the physical biological and digital worlds if you're going to take their extreme which is a physical world slave plantation a digital slave plantation and then if you want to escape it you could put on a virtual reality or an augmented reality or a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet and delve uh, dive deep into their metaverse their real matrix if that's the escape hatch how about i'll take the extreme side of no technology because it's very hard to debate if you're going to sit there and say well i do want some technology and then we're going to run down a list of what technology is accepted and what it's not accepted. So I will always take the stance uh, from this point forward in debates that I err on the side of no technology. And then everyone else can debate uh, what technology they want to have. I think that's the best way to approach this. So I will play Ted Kaczynski, folks, from now on. Minus the mail bombs. We won't be doing any of that here. Uh, so let's look. A blockchain-based government has the potential to solve legacy pain points and enable the following advantages. One, Secure storage of government, citizen, and business data. Two, reduction of labor-intensive processes. Three, reduction of excessive costs associated with managing accountability. Four, reduce potential for corruption and abuse. And five, increase trust in government and online civil systems, right? So they're going to build a blockchain to store all your data that they stole from you. But don't worry, that's going to restore your trust and faith in government. It says the distributed ledger format can be leveraged to support an array of government and public sector applications, including digital currency payments, land registration, identity management, supply chain traceability, healthcare, corporate registration, taxation, voting, that would be elections and proxy, and legal entities management. A bunch of garbage that the government created, and now they don't want to push paper anymore, so they're going to push it digitally. They're going to do it through zeros and ones ladies and gentlemen that's what they're offering you so they created this system all these ways to rape you and force you to interact with them now they're going to create a digital system to streamline your interaction with these criminals 
All right. So now this document I'm going to show you goes through what are the blockchain use cases in government and the public sector. And so they have smart cities, central banking, validation of education and professional qualifications, tracking vaccinations, tracking loans and student grants, and payroll tax collection. Now, let me just highlight this one more time. We have number one, smart cities. Smart cities are the very slave plantation that you will live inside. It is your little sector of the overall technique that would be the entire continent under a physical world digital slave plantation. All right, so number one, helping them build the slave plantation, the prison planet around you, smart cities. Number two, central banking. That would be for CBDCs. So that would be for the digital currency that controls the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. You got that? That's what they're promoting. Validation of education and professional qualifications. So this is going to be the shakedown. Did you go to college? Uh, Who do you work for? What's your social score? That kind of stuff. That's what they're working on there. That's what they're talking about. Validation of education and professional qualifications. So if you don't have the education and the professional qualifications that the government deems to be necessary, you won't be getting a job if they even exist in the future. Number three, tracking vaccinations. I think that's pretty self-explanatory there. They're going to track you folks and make sure that you're vaccinated and you're up to date. Number five, tracking loans and student grants, right? That's so that the government could come back and get their money from you that they gave you to go get an education that isn't going to be worth anything because it won't live up to the standards that you're going to need when you're tracked under the validation of education because they sold you a loan that was, or sold you a degree that was completely worthless. You'll end up working at Starbucks, but Starbucks looks like it's probably going to go under and maybe you'll work at Starbucks inside of the metaverse and then finally here number six payroll tax collection so this is to extort you and steal your money from you they will never give up on that that's how they keep you down they don't take a percentage of your work to fund the government they take it to keep you from building wealth that's what taxes is all about so when this company consensus here says, what are the blockchain use cases in government and the public sector? And we see smart city central banking, validation of education, tracking vaccinations, tracking loans, and payroll tax collection. Blockchain is being used to build the prison planet. Do you not see that? So to all my libertarian friends out there, there is nothing here that is about freedom and it's about liberty. It doesn't say blockchain is being used for liberty and freedom. Blockchain is being used to keep the government out of your life no whether it was set up for good reasons or not does not matter because the bad guys now have access to the technology and all the tech companies that are building the technology needed to bring blockchain and central bank digital currency and universal basic income and digital ids to fruition are working for the state they are working for the state so these technocrats are working for the state to build the prison planet All right, I'm not going to go through the rest of this, but I'm just going to read the headlines. 
It says, how will blockchain impact smart cities? How will blockchain impact central banking? How will blockchain streamline the validation of educational and professional qualifications? How will blockchain technology impact vaccination tracking? How will blockchain technology manage student tracking, uh, manage tracking student loans and grants? How will blockchain technology impact the collection of payroll taxes? So it goes through each of those examples those examples so i think that's a great place for us to have started on consensus so we can see what they're pushing here just from a very simple viewpoint this is just blockchain all right when we get back we're going to continue going through consensus's website because you need to understand how instrumental this company is in building the slave plantation If you want to understand what we're living under and what's coming, you need to look at the guys that are actually building it. You need to look at the guys building the Auschwitz concentration camp, and then you'll understand, holy crap, when they throw me into that camp, I know what I'll be living under because we've already looked at the plans. We've already looked at the blueprints. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 